are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Jesus Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. Look at you. You are, you are all living, breathing human beings. You have been given this incredible gift of life, and you are alive, and you get a shot at living life on this earth. When we think like that, it raises lots of questions. Questions like, so what is the basic meaning of life? And what is the purpose of this life that I'm living? And are there secrets to living out this life? You know what I'm saying? And so what we're going to do today and the next four weeks is talk about life. And so today I realize that I have a maker. Somebody created me. I did not get here on my own, right? And so what about my life in relationship to him, the father? And what about, you know, rights and wrongs and morals? Is there right and is there wrong? We'll talk about that next week. And then I realize that I'm not on this planet by myself. I have seven billion neighbors. And how do I live life in relationship with those neighbors? And what about my home life? A lot of questions there. And what about work life? And so I hope that you just say right now in your mind, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to decide today that over these next four weeks, I am not going to miss Sunday morning at Bethany First Church. And by God's help, I am going to get a handle on life as we talk about it together. So let me begin by giving you a life lesson that I learned a few years ago. It was a family who came to me and said, uh, we're wondering if you will meet with this young mom, this young um, wife um, who is in our family. She has had this adulterous sexual affair with this man. And now she's trying to decide what her next step in life is. Does she stay with her husband? Does she leave with this man? Does she forget about both men and do something else? And she wants to talk with you. She, she, she is willing. We ask her, would she talk with you? And she seemed very glad to talk with you. She wants to talk with you, a pastor. And so I met with her. And so when we met, honestly, the first, you know, 30, maybe 45 minutes, she just talked to me about how bad her life was. And finally, when she paused and kind of looked to me for some wisdom or advice or counsel, I just said to her, I got to be honest with you. If I'm just, and you don't want me if I'm not going to be honest with you, right? But just as an objective third party looking in, I mean, it looks like to me that you've been blessed with a really good life. I mean, you got this husband who is nuts about you. And even though all this has happened, he is saying, stay. And you got incredible kids. And I know that money doesn't buy everything, but you guys have more money than probably most of your friends. I mean, look at your house and you drive whatever car you want and you go on vacations wherever you want, whenever you want. Money is just not an issue. And everybody is healthy. And she interrupts me to say, but I'm not happy. And I'm not going to live unhappy. And so it 
opened the door for me to go to this other conversation with her. And I said, well, then let me talk to you about the fact that I think God probably has an opinion about what the next step of your life should be. In fact, I believe God has a very clear plan for your life. And in that moment, she was really not interested in hearing what I said about God's opinion or God's plan. And what I remember most, and this is really hard, what I remember most is that when that conversation finally ended, I just felt like I had failed. I didn't really feel like I had helped her. I never really found this connecting point with her to get to her heart and say, let's really think about your future. And I walked away just kind of feeling low about it all. And she went on to make what I believed were very negative decisions about her future. A couple days later, I, I was in my car and I remembered, I remembered this lady who attended my church. Her name was Colleen. And Colleen had said to me the Sunday prior at church, she said, hey, I know you're busy, but my mom and dad, we just moved them here from out of state so they could be close to us. They're very feeble. My dad, he'll come to church. My mom, it's not going to happen for her. She's confined to a hospital bed in her home. So I was wondering if maybe she was so close to her pastor, her church was such a part of her life. I was wondering if maybe you would maybe go by and see my mom. She would really appreciate it. And then she kind of grins at me and she says, you might really appreciate it too. And so I didn't really know what she meant by that, but I stuck the address in my pocket and I put it in my billfold knowing that I was going to stop and see your mother that weekend. So a couple of days after this conversation with this young mother and, and, and wife, I stopped in this address and I pulled up to this little house trailer, very small. And I walk in and I meet this elderly couple who are trying to scratch out a living with a social security check and whatever help their kids are giving them. But I was not prepared for what I was going to find in that hospital bed. It was this little, vibrant woman who was full of love and full of joy and full of like faith and full of hope and, and full of life, and it was contagious. The longer I talked to this little lady, the longer I wanted to stay. And it was like life was just bubbling out of her and overflowing onto me and anybody else that she would come into contact with. And when I finally convinced her that I have to go, I have to leave, there's somewhere I have to be, but I really want to pray with you before I go. She said, yes, pastor, let's pray together. Let's thank God because he has been so good to me. You say, well, Rick, she wasn't always in that hospital bed. No, no, you're right. She was not always in the hospital bed. She had lived all of her adult life from a wheelchair. And only recently, you're right, had she gone to that hospital bed, she raised her kids from a wheelchair. She cleaned house and did laundry from a wheelchair. That was what her life was like. And as I'm driving away, I'm trying to somehow reconcile in my mind those two experiences in those last two days. Because here is this young mom and wife, it seems to me, who should be just full of life, life just flowing out of her. But instead, she describes her life as empty. And then there's this other little lady who it seems to me should be 
empty when it comes to life. But instead, life was just pouring out of her. Her life was full. And that's when I learned this lesson. I learned that a person's life being full has nothing to do with how much money you have or how much money you don't have. And a person's life being full does not depend on whether or not you're really healthy and well or if you're really sick. In fact, a person's life being full is not dependent on any of those circumstances. There is this other factor that is involved. So, this week, I was reading the Bible. We should do that more, right? What a great idea. And so when I'm reading the Bible, I read these words from a guy whose name is Paul. And here's what Paul says, okay? He's the guy who wrote a lot in the New Testament, and he's, he's talking about Christ Jesus. And, and here's what he says about Christ Jesus. He says, Christ Jesus. And then here's how he describes Christ Jesus. Who is our life? I mean, he, he is your life. I mean, he's not just somebody who makes life full or somebody who makes... I mean, he is your life. And what Paul was really trying to say was that that's where fullness of life comes from. All right, so let's, let's think about it for a minute, okay? So there's, there's uh, the Bible that we have, and it was written, most of it, in the ancient Greek language, some in Aramaic. But the Bible that you and I carry around was translated from the ancient Greek language, okay? And so... When the Greeks talked about life, they had one, one, one of the words that they used to talk about life was bios. Okay, see if you can do better than the first service people did. So when the Greeks use a word bios to talk about life, what kind of life do you think the Greeks are talking about? You didn't do any better than the first service people. Bios, okay, bio, biological life, right? Okay, bios. So, so you know what biological life is, right? So I have biological life. I have flesh on my bones. I have tendons and ligaments under that flesh attaching everything to the bones. I have cells. I have blood that runs through my veins. I have muscles bulging out of almost every part of my body. I have biological life. I'm biologically alive, right? It tells me this. The Bible says that God created man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. But the Bible also tells me that Jesus was with God in the beginning. And there was nothing that was made, including man, that was not made through him. And so Jesus is the giver and the sustainer of biological life. Here's what's interesting, though. When Paul says that Jesus is your life, he doesn't say Jesus is your bios. Do you know what he says? Jesus is your zoe. Another word for life, which refers not to biological life, but to spiritual life. So it's this idea that you can be alive but not really alive. Or you can be alive and be really alive. So there's this mystery in the gospel. And here's, here's the origin of the mystery, okay? Jesus comes into our 
world. And the Bible says that was God coming to be with us. And he lives on the earth for 33 years, okay? 33 years he lives on this earth. And the last three years he preaches and he teaches and he loves and he heals. I mean, people who had never walked, he makes them walk. And people who had never been able to see, they were blind. He gives them the ability to see. And he never passes up an opportunity to forgive. And he has compassion on everybody. And people got really jealous and they felt threatened and they killed him. They nailed him to a cross and they took his life. But in three days... He comes up out of the tomb and he is raised to life. Now here's the mystery. Because the Bible says, and I'll share the words with you, that just as Jesus was raised to life, people who follow him who have been born again, this is the mystery. You have been raised to life also. This zoe, this full life. So let me, let me give you the words, okay? They're in the book of Colossians chapter 3. You want to grab a Bible in front of you or your phone or we'll put the words on the screen for you either way that you like it, okay? So the words are written by a guy whose name is Paul and he's writing to a group of people, this band of believers, new followers of Jesus in a town called Colossae. Now he, he hasn't ever met them and he did not plant the church. Another guy named Epaphras planted the church. But Paul wants to communicate with them. So listen to me. Here's what he does. He uses this ancient method of communication called letter writing. Okay? That's what he does. I know it sounds archaic to you. You've never done that before. But it's actually how people, old people in the olden days, once communicated with each other. They wrote letters and they mailed them off. So he writes them a letter. So that's what we have in our hands right here. Colossians, the book of Colossians. And so here's what he says, because he's concerned that they are feeling lots of pressure. And he talks to them about this resurrected life. You ready? Since then, you have been. What tense is that? Past tense, right? This is something that really happened in history. It really took place. Since you have been raised with Christ. What's the to-do part? I get to participate. What do I do? He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. This is what you do. You set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. At the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. Why? Because you have died, past tense again. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now here's the good news, the dream part. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. This is God's word for us today. I was reading this guy who was writing about that verse of Scripture, those verses. And so here's what he said. He said, when I, when I became a Christian, when I was born again, when I became a follower of Jesus, he said, it felt to me like my life changed from the inside. He said it was awesome. It was like... Um, I was a different person. He said, it was interesting to me because I would have never read the Bible before. I would have never wanted to have read the Bible. And if I read the Bible, I didn't understand the Bible. But now, 
I actually wanted to read the Bible. And what's more is when I read it, I began to understand it. Where previously, I didn't understand it. And what's more is not only did I read it and understand it, I felt myself really wanting to do what the Bible was asking me to do. He said, before, I didn't like going to church. If I had to go to church, I was like, oh, man, I got to go to church. And now, I really wanted to go to church. And the life that I've been living, a lot of stuff that I used to do, I I just didn't want to do that stuff anymore. It was like I changed from the inside. But he said it wasn't long until some older Christians began to talk to me about living the Christian life. And they gave me a list of rules. These are all the things that you don't do if you're a Christian. And then they gave me another list of rules. But these are all the things that you should do if you're a Christian. I thought about the list of rules and I thought, you know, I kind of like it. I think I can do that. And so all I got to do is keep the rules. If I do all of this stuff and I don't do any of this stuff, then I'm good. And so I started trying to keep rules. He said the problem with me trying to keep the rules was that I was miserably a failure at keeping rules. I found myself, you know, still getting mad. I found myself still lusting after women. I found myself still wanting to do things that I wasn't supposed to want to do. And I found myself, frankly, not wanting to do a lot of the stuff I was supposed to. I was like, I'm just too tired. But I didn't really want the people that I was going to church with know that I wasn't doing the stuff and that I wasn't avoiding the stuff I was supposed to avoid. So I kind of just faked it. I acted like I was really doing okay. But the truth is I was miserable. And I assumed that God was pretty frustrated with me too. The solution came... When I read Colossians 3, he said, And I learned about my identity with Christ. That I really am with Jesus and that Jesus really is with me. That I have been raised with Jesus and my life has been hidden with Jesus in God. And I also learned about the power of the kingdom of God. Before, he said, I saw myself as a sinner who was trying not to sin. It's like, it's like that's what my life was about. I'm just, I'm just a sinful person and I'm just trying really hard not to sin, but I'm not making a lot of progress because I'm sinning a lot. And I was leaving out some main elements of faith, which are the power that I find in Jesus and the fact that I get access to a life with Jesus. And so it's not just a matter of me saying, okay, I'm going to get up to Dan. I'm going to try just a little harder, you know, and see if I can do a little better because God knows I've been doing well lately. It's a matter of saying, no, Jesus is with me. And there is power when Jesus is with me. And I live this life not because I try harder, but because I have access to Jesus. So what would it be like if in the morning you got up and you said, Okay, Jesus, since you really are with me, 
Since I really have died, the old person that I used to be, because I really believed that you changed me when I became a Christian. I mean, I sensed that something changed inside of me. So if you're really with me and I really have died and we're really together and I really have been raised with you, then let's go live this life together. And sometimes I wonder about people who are hanging around the church but really haven't yet gone all in. I wonder if it's because sometimes they think to themselves, I don't think I can live that life. Well, you're right. You can't, and neither can we. It's only when we get up and say, Okay, Jesus, since we are together in this thing, let's you and I live this life together because He is our identity. And because we have been raised with Christ, it determines how we live It even determines where we go when we die. So, what do you do? It's always the question, right? What do you do? You're going to leave in a minute, and you're going to say, okay, I'm leaving church today. I heard the preacher get up there and do his thing, and now what am I going to do? Well, the first thing is obvious, and that is that we change the way that we think. But there is this place where Paul says you get to participate in this full life. And here's what you do, okay? So let's talk about it. Um, I have this memory in my mind, and it's not a good memory. You may be saying, well, why are you going to bring it up? Well, because I think it might be helpful. But it, it's this time that my kids were little. Now, my girls are now 23 and 27. But when they were little girls, they loved to go to McDonald's. And so we go to McDonald's together. And I don't know what was going on in my life, why I was this way. But I was not okay. I was like down. I was low. I was sad. Everybody knew that I was not okay. I mean, I just, I wasn't talking. And so if you know me, I kind of live my life like this. I'm kind of like, you know, I mean, that's just the way I live. I'm, so if you get around me and I'm not like, you know, then you're like, what's wrong with him, right? So it was one of those days when I wasn't, you know, all, you know, I was just kind of, and my girls are like, should we say anything? What's wrong with dad? We're sitting there, they're eating their happy meals, which are anything at this point but happy because something's wrong with dad. I was upset about something maybe. Some unmet expectation coupled with fear. Do you know that's what anger is, by the way? That's the recipe for anger. It's unmet expectations coupled with fear. Wait, that didn't work out like I Now what's going to happen? Say, I'm angry. That's, that's what anger is a result of. I look over my wife's shoulder into the fun zone. My little family was miles from the fun zone, if you know what I'm saying. And there's a dad with his kids. And they're coming out of the slide, and he's catching them and throwing them up in the air. And Well, he's catching them too, but you know what I mean. And they're just having a blast. Kids are laughing hard. They're throwing the balls. He's throwing balls. They're playing. And then here's my sad little pathetic family because I'm not having a good day, you know. Why weren't you having a good day? What were you thinking about? What was on your mind? I don't know. I don't even remember. I promise you it was not, how can I go love some people at McDonald's today? 
Or how can I live more generously with my life? Or how can I share Jesus with somebody? Or how can I just spend more time? And I'm sure it wasn't about that stuff, okay? And here is what Paul says that you and I can do to participate in this full life. Why don't you set your minds and your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, not on earthly stuff? You know what he's saying? It's about what you think about. And so, therefore, I just got to ask you the question. So, so what, what do you think about? I mean, what, what is on your mind mostly? Would you call your mind, uh, you know, I, I think it's more about things about Jesus and Christ and good and wholesome and or is it about the earthly stuff so I'm not going to make the list I'm just going to give you his list and next week when you come back we're going to talk about his list okay but here's his list he says how many of you are just kind of angry because that's what he calls earthly stuff he says you know it's just anger it's just this kind of I'm just negative pastor I mean I'm like you in the McDonald's that day I'm just Generally, I'm just generally aggravated in life. I mean, I got this one guy, I, I would tell you I like being around him a lot, but I don't because he's always just, he just seems angry. Paul says, what about sexual immorality? Do you think a lot about impure stuff? I mean, do you have a lot of sensual, sexual thoughts in, going on in your head? What about greed? Do you think a lot about money? What do you think about? That's earthly stuff, Paul says. He says, what if you begin to think about other stuff? What if you begin to think about love and you thought about forgiveness and you thought about joy and you think about happiness? What if you begin to think about those things? Are you telling me that my participation in this full life, the part that God says, here, you do this part. By by my grace, this is what you should do. You're telling me that it's as simple as this, that full life has a lot to do with what I think about? Now, here's the great revelation, okay? We get to choose what we think about. Against popular belief that says, whatever thoughts come to my head, that's what I got today. No. You get to say, okay, you guys have to go. You're not camping out here. I'm bringing some other thoughts in. And this is what I'm going to think about today. You actually get to choose. All right, I think, I think we're together, right? So there's this full life that Jesus offers us. And the reason I think it's so important today is because it was important to the people at Colossae because they were focused on rules. And the reason that you have chapter 3, verse 1, is trying to combat this idea that rules is the way to go. And the reason I'm talking to you this morning about it is because that you and I sometimes think, if I can just do all of these things right and not do these things, then my life is full. And that is not true. Life comes from Jesus. So what do I do? Well, I, I begin to think right, and I begin to set my mind on the right things. Why, Rick, do you want me to do that? Here's why. Friday night, we invited people to come into this room. Good Friday, the day where we remember Jesus' death on the cross. We remember the depth of God's love for us.
And so families would come in together, extended families, big families, little families, couples, individuals, groups of friends came in together. And there were pastors all along the altars down here. And they would come to one of the pastors and we would serve them communion and we would pray for them and we'd remember the death of Jesus together. And so before they would walk away from me, I would say to them, you don't have to, but if, if you want me to pray with you, about something, I would be happy to. And almost everybody said, no, 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 Pastor. I want you to pray with me. And here's what I want you to pray with me about. And man, it was always one, two, three, maybe four things. And when I'm walking across the parking lot to get in my car to drive away, you know what I'm feeling? People are carrying a lot of stuff, a lot of heavy stuff. I mean, there are people who are really sick, and there are people who are really worried about their kids, and there are people who are going through relational weirdness with people, and I mean, that list is long. There are people who are struggling. I mean, people are financially, people are carrying heavy stuff. I mean, life is full of setbacks and losses and disappointments. And sometimes those can weigh us down. But let me remind you of something just really quickly. Could I? That life's pain and suffering and setbacks and losses and disappointments have all been defeated by the greatest event that has ever occurred in the history of the world, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as we focus, go ahead, go ahead, as we focus on the future, it helps us to cope with life when it gets really challenging because when we look at the future, here's what Paul tells us, something really incredible is that one day we are going to stand with Jesus. We win. He says, you will all appear with Him. So that's why. It's how you get through. All right, I'm going to finish up. And, uh, and I just want you to lean in and let me tell you this little brief story and then I'm done, Okay. So, so Jesus is one day with disciples, okay? And, and these disciples, they are struggling, these followers. They, they showed up, honestly, because he could do incredible miracles. They are like, wow, this guy is good. I mean, have you seen some of the stuff that he does? I mean, it's like, boom, you know, he can just make stuff happen. And it's like thousands of people are following, Okay. And one day, a bunch of them said, we like the miracles, but the teaching, I mean, Jesus was a no-nonsense kind of guy. I mean, it's going to cost you your life. And people said, it's, it's too hard what he's asking of us. And they leave. And so Jesus looks at these 12, these disciples that have been so close to him. And you know what he says to them? He says, they left. Are you guys going to leave too? And this one disciple whose name is Peter kind of spoke for all of them. He was very outspoken. Here's what he said. <laughs> Are we going to leave? 
Where would we go? You have the words of life. Zoe. And we can't get those anywhere else. There's only one place where you can find full life. Where would we go? You are the one who has it. And so as a pastor, I talk with people all the time. And sometimes people come to me and say, Pastor, I have walked away from Jesus. You say, well, what are they doing with you? They're trying to come back. Maybe they were raised in church. Maybe they've been introduced to Christianity somewhere along the way. But at some point, they met Jesus. And then they walked away. And they tried to live out there. And they were horrible at it. And I've even told them, I know, you tried hard to be a a sinner. You gave it your best shot. You just stink at it. You'll never be good at this. Because deep down, you know what I know? I know that they know that Jesus is where you find life. And they just can't get away. And so they come back. And so I want you to, to stand with me, okay? moment we're going to sing and, and we're going to pray together. But I think before you walk out a door on a morning like this morning, I think you have to respond. So here's what I think. You ready? I think that there's some people here this morning who says, Hey, Rick, you know what I have? Zoe. <laughs> I mean, I have great... My life is full. I may not have all the money I would like to have. I may not have the health I would like to have. I may not have all these other things lined up like I wish they were, but my life is full. And, and I think there might be somebody this morning who just says, you know what, I just want to say to God, I mean, this is my prayer, thank you for life. But I got to wonder if there's other people in the room who would say, Do you think morning like this morning is a morning where somebody could come back? Because that's my story. I, I walked away, Pastor Rick, and, and I'm not very good at this life. I know that Jesus has the words of life. Do you think a day like today would be a day where a guy or a gal like me could just come back? Oh, this is the day. I, I also know that there's some people maybe who say, I've been hanging around, you know, um, and I've never tasted what you're talking about. I've never felt like my life was full. But I want it. And, and I want what that guy you talked about had when he said he felt like when he was born again and he began to follow Jesus, that it was like, like he was changed from the inside. That's what I want. Well, then 
then you can have that. So in a moment, we're just going to say, you know, we're going to pray for a little bit. Now, I know that God is bigger than what I say. And so if you have other reasons that you want to pray this morning, you should pray about those things. Or if you, as a family, want to come together and pray, you can come as a family and pray about what's going on in your family if you want to do that. Or somebody that you care about is sick or in trouble or whatever, you can pray for them or whatever it is that you want to pray about. And in our church, we have these wooden altars down here. You just kind of kneel with your knees on the floor in front of the altars and you and you pray. And that's all it is. It's just a place where you pray. It doesn't mean you become a member of our church or anything like that. Okay, so if you want to come and pray, there'll be pastors here. In fact, I'm going to ask them to come now and stand so you can see them. There'll be one over here and there will be one over here. So pastors, would you move there now for me? And we need one over here too, okay? And then other pastors will come if they get busy, okay? Here's the other thing you can do. You can pray from where you're standing. God has no hearing issues. He can hear you from wherever you are. If you want to pray from where you stand, you can pray from there. I just think this is it. If you have something you really want to say to God today, just don't leave without saying it. It will probably be the most important thing you do all week. So we'll celebrate life and we will pray. Okay?
Jesus was still in the tomb today, it would be brokenness, it would be pain, it'd be suffering, and it would be death that would be our story. But he's not, and it's empty, and so it is faith, it is love, and it is life that is our story. So take a deep breath and feel the breath of God, knowing that you serve a resurrected king, knowing that your life is also resurrected. You have new life because of what Christ has done for us. So this morning, go in his peace, knowing that as a community of faith, we are resurrected people who live new life. You're invited to the atrium for the celebration, for snacks, and for a photo. Go in his peace. We love you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.